Memphis, 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 what up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and we have our co-host back with us, coming out fresh to start the week. We got Ryan with us, and we're going to hit on a conspiracy theory that Ryan has. He's been holding back on this since the Grizzlies were playing. I'm talking about second round versus the Warriors conspiracy theory. And so I'm excited to kind of hear what that is. But first, we've got to get into the most important news that we have. And that is that our guy, Trip, Jaron Jackson Jr., first team all defense. How cool is that, Ryan? It is awesome because I don't think anyone would have seen it coming from, you know, everybody was so down on him last year kind of had a little of a slow start to this season. I don't think anyone would have expected him getting first team all defense, let alone making a team, any of the teams. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is I looked through here and Desmond Bain got one second, like second team vote, which was cool. Like the fact that Desmond Bain is not known to be a great defender, just completely just showed up this year. And now Jaron Jackson Jr. takes off as being, an, you know, not elite. Elite's probably, that's a dangerous word, so we won't go there. A really good high-end defender in this league. And one of the reasons the Grizzlies were so good defensively this year, and I think that he will be the backbone of the Grizzlies' defense. And I'll get into that in, uh, in one second. But he did score one more point overall. Bam Adebayo had 52nd, 57 first-team votes and 38 second-team, while Jaron had 55, so he had two less first-team, but he had 43 second-team votes, giving him one more total vote of 153 over Bam to secure that spot on the first-team. Is that rightfully so? Do you think that uh, that first-team of Marcus Smart, Mikel Bridges, Rudy Gobert, Giannis, and Jaron, is that a good five like is that do you think all those guys should have made first team um I, I don't know anytime i see drew holiday on a second team i think the list is automatically wrong um if, if there's no way that drew holiday isn't a first team defender in any season just watch him play defense um but the jaron one making actually first i can't really like argue against it i just don't know who like if bam had for some reason been first team over jaron um could i have argued more so for jaron over bam i don't know Uh, but jaron was you know kind of the anchor of the help side of the defense right like he just took away anything that was going to the basket getting steals um and blocks and was 
kind of our anchor. And when he was in foul trouble, you really felt it for the defense for the Grizzlies, especially in the playoffs. So deserve it? Yes. If I had to make a case-for-case basis, I don't know. I, I, I think it's so hard to kind of pick that a lot of these are you just watch some highlights of people and they're like, oh, yeah, they're a top guy. But I think he's deserved of a first team. The rest of the guys, yeah, it's fine. I mean, Marcus Smart won the award for Defense Player of the Year. So obviously he's going to be on first team. But with just guards, it's like when I see Drew Holiday second team, I'm sorry. I just – there's something wrong there because Drew Holiday should always be first team. Yeah, well, Drew wasn't – I don't know how many games he played. And honestly, that's a regular season award. You want to talk about the playoffs? Like, absolutely. Drew Holiday just outshined um, anybody else, in my opinion, uh, especially, you know, in the playoffs. But I don't know the entire year if he was able to put up the, the right numbers. But if you were picking teams and you were looking at the players in the league, you'd say, all right, well, that guy, I want him on my first team all defense because I know what he's going to bring to the party. Like, that's the, that's the player Drew Holiday is. So uh, I agree with you there, but I also agree that sometimes – you got to produce the entire year. Uh, and Jaron did. Jaron led the league in blocks and stocks, which are steals and blocks. Uh, and so good things to come. Let's get into that a little bit more, and then we'll get to your conspiracy theory because, honestly, that's why everybody's here. That's why everybody's listening again uh, to this. <laughs> um, but look at the two guys that were on uh, this team, on this Grizzlies team. And I'm mainly looking at Tyus and Kyle. If you were to move on from both of those in the offseason, do you get worse defensively? Now, I don't know exactly if they're going to continue to be the team that they can be defensively, but a lot of reason that they are good is for the simple fact that it is because of people that are the vets, like you know Kyle Anderson, but you also have people like Tyus Jones, who is very underrated defensively. But he is a very good defensive player. Uh, but I, I just think that, honestly, that going forward, the Grizzlies have to find veteran players that can fill those roles. Because in the end of the day, you have to put people that are good defensively around Ja because he's a little undersized and he has to give you so much on offense that you got to be able to surround him with good defensive players. Yeah, of course you'll lose anything. You'll lose something when you lose two rotation team defenders like Kyle and Tyus. Um, I don't know if you go out and get more veterans because, you know, the Grizzlies front office has always been about long-term over short-term, which is actually kind of alluding to my conspiracy theory here, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, so I don't know if they're, or if the outright plan is to right away bring in, you know, replace them with a little bit cheaper, but maybe equivalent level veteran talents. But I think Jaron's ascension defensively this year has helped them kind of help the front office make that decision that, Hey, maybe we will be okay without them. We might take a step back, but we have the anchor already and we can still look to the future and he's going to be around a while since we've got him locked up and uh, yeah I, I those guys are important for the Grizzlies and I'd hate to see him go but 
I don't know. I would be surprised if we decided to go replace veteran players, quote unquote, with other veteran players with the way this front office has proceeded so far with this group, this young core. Yeah, I can see that. But also look at somebody like um, Steven Adams. Like, man, he is very much crucial to this team as well because it does allow Jaron to play a little bit more freer with him being able to be bought out at $5 million, uh, as a cap hit uh, to where you don't have to pay him his full amount, and you can save $13 million this offseason. I'm curious the direction they go with that. I would like personally t- for them to keep him and then maybe moving forward give him a two- or three-year contract with less money. Somebody who you can actually establish as a guy who, you know, if you really need him, to be your starting five, that's fine. But also, if, if you want to bring him off the bench and let him have his 15 to 20 minutes a night, you know, max regular season, have that be an option during the playoffs, I think Steven Adams is a crucial piece to that defensive end as well because uh, Taylor Jenkins has has done well with a lot of the guys he's had, but it's not going to last forever with, you know, people like DeAnthony Melton. Uh, who knows what they're going to do with Dylan. So there's a lot of questions there and less answers, but... Uh, Jaron winning defensive uh, player, one of the you know first team, is awesome. And I'm so glad that he got that. Um, and I'm hoping that now he becomes a household name. But also, I hope he gets a little bit smarter in the offseason. That's what I'm going for. Uh, but we're going to get to your conspiracy theory real quick. But before that, uh, make sure you go check out the Leeds Podcast Network. Uh, doing big things over there. Ryan and I have a podcast over there, and we do that, and it comes out every Monday. So make sure you go check that out. Um, also, if you're uh, if you're a betting person, make sure you go check out um, Bet the Lead. We're doing a lot of fun things over there. But also, man, the Discord is having some fun, and we're actually we're win- winning some money, winning some money. I love it. Um, and so it's been a lot of fun over there as of lately. Uh, but here with Grizz One, you're going to have some podcasts coming out, uh, especially very soon. Ryan and I are going to get together and record our draft, our draft info. So we're going to be coming out with different podcasts. They might be shorter than normal on some, longer than normal on the others. Uh, but we're going to probably try to give you five-ish draft episodes and then a full draft expectations the week of the draft, the Monday of the draft. You should be having a full draft breakdown. And you better be here. You better be listening. Because Ryan's going to tell us who we're going to draft. And then I'm going to tell him why he's wrong and why we're going to draft, you know, you know, some oddball like Santi Aldama. Like somebody nobody's heard of. Like Georgie John. That's who we're going to draft this year. And we're going to move up 17 spots to get him. All right, Ryan. We're going to go to you now. I've been waiting for this. I'm nervous. But I've been waiting for this. So give us your conspiracy theory. We're all here. We're all waiting. Give us what you got. All right. So first, let me say beforehand that this may not be a first-time thought for anybody. I have not seen anybody say this, but it doesn't mean someone has not had this reaction. So this may not be the first time you have heard this. But if you know me, I enjoy a good conspiracy theory. And maybe this one isn't so much a conspiracy, um, but I think it's. I think what happened against the Warriors in that series is actually explainable because of the way how kind of 
how things kind of turned out if you looked at it. because I thought the release of certain things was curious timing and um, it felt like a series that obviously it was hotly contested off the court and in Twitter and in the press game um, and like the coaches interviews and stuff like that so it felt more like a psychological front office slash coaches battle who could be more woe is me and plead to the refs and the NBA got the upper hand. But that is a sidebar. My conspiracy theory is is that Rich Kleiman and the higher-ups at the Grizzlies organization intentionally lost the series against the Warriors. What? what okay maybe not intentionally maybe not intentionally through the series but by the way things unfolded they decided to not go out and try to win it right now because this has always been a front offense since jason wexler team president and since Kleiman took over, have always looked towards the future. I mean, Kleiman has said for himself, we won't sacrifice long-term future for short-term games. Jason Wexler in the past, we've been situational rather than strategic and systemic. We're trending, we've trended to be reactive instead of proactive. So this is a team that is going to be or a front office that wants to be strategic and use a long-term focus with this team and its young core. So let's go over. Actually, let me before we get into this, let me just describe Zach Kleiman a little bit. Have you looked at his history before, his work history? I have not. I have not. Went to USC and got a degree in psychology. And served as public relations intern for the Los Angeles Lakers during that time. Then he graduated from Duke Law and was a basketball operations intern in the in in Charlotte. Back then, it was what not the Hornets. Who was before the Bobcats? I believe under general manager Richard Cho. Right. Okay. So this is a guy went to college for psychology. And then did some public relations stuff with the Lakers. Graduated from Duke Law. Was an intern for Richard Cho, general manager. Okay? Can you guess who the current VP of basketball strategy for the Memphis Grizzlies is right now? Rich Cho. Correct. All right. There's one connection. Now, let's go through the timeline here. Okay, game one, Grizzlies lose a close one, probably should have won. Game two, they win, but Dylan, unfortunately, goes all out and haymakers uh, Gary Payton II, <laughs> and is ended up, and after that, obviously, we get the first quarter record from uh, Steve Kerr that it was just dirty, the Grizzlies are dirty, does all that stuff, he feels bad, blah, 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 so... The NBA decides to suspend Dylan for Game Three. Grizzlies go to uh, Golden State and get blown out in Game Three. So there's a psychological edge there. They played timid and didn't want to seem like the bad guys, like they had been portrayed for the past two days before Game Three. 
Um, and so they get blown out in game three. Now, after game three, what happens? Jaw, we start seeing these videos surface of Jaw, his knee getting grabbed by pool, tweets out the video. It says broke the code, which he deleted. Then the front office appealed to the NBA about, hey, maybe Poole should be suspended for game four. And then they did an MRI and do not release the results. They declare him doubtful. From everything that I have found, the next day, the May 8th, the game for game three was May 7th. May 8th, the MRI, from what I can find, the MRI was done, but there's no results released. Jaw is just listed as doubtful. Are you following still? <laughs> I'm following. I've taken notes. I'm ready to I'm, I'm continue. <laughs> so game four, May 9th, NBA comes out with their decision that Jordan Poole will not be suspended. 8 p.m., one hour before tip, Jaw is announced out. Still, no results spoken about from the MRI. Okay? May 10th, the day after game four. Close game. Grizzlies are leading. Could have won. Uh, didn't. But uh, May 10th, the next day, 4.55 p.m., after the Grizzlies lose game four and go down 2-1, they announce Ja has a bone bruise and is going to be doubtful for the remainder of the playoffs. Yep. That's correct. Then of course, then of course we get game 5, they blow them out. Um so they're down uh 3-1, go back home, win game 5, then we get game 6 played, Warriors close out the series. Okay? So now there's a parallel here to last year. Nobody remembers this, but Trey Young in the Eastern Conference Finals last year went down with a bone bruise against the Milwaukee Bucks. And that series was close. I believe it was 2-1, identical to what was happening here with the Grizzlies in the, against the Warriors. Trey Young was out June 27th to July 3rd. He, was, he took six days of rest and actually played in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay? So now let's do a little math here. Jaws' okay. knee is grabbed on May 7th. Yep. All right? It's grabbed on May 7th. Trey Young back then, it was described his... Um, his... Uh, uh, bone bruise was declared deep. A deep bone bruise, very painful... And it was monitoring, but if he's going to play, it just depends on how he feels on it. So they didn't list him out or anything. They just listed him doubtful. But six days later, Trey Young came back and played in game six. So with Ja, he gets his knee grabbed, quote unquote, May 7th. And game six was played, was played on May 13th. We've seen Ja Morant come back from a hip injury. Other knee injuries, um, especially one against the Warriors where he thought, oh, well, he might be out forever. And then he comes back and plays the entire series. I contest that John Morant could have played in game six against the Warriors in the Chase Center. Mm. And Zach Kleiman 
and the and the medical staff and Richard Cho, the VP of basketball strategy with Jason Wexler conspired to hold John Morant out to look towards the future to not sacrifice the future for short-term gain. It is to me a play on where if the if this Grizzlies team makes the Western Conference Finals and potentially the finals, it destroys the front office's t- uh, timeline, right? Because this team makes the Western Conference Finals, there's going to be expectations to return, and so there will all of a sudden be a sacrifice of long-term goals and needing short-term games to try to propel themselves back to the Western Conference Finals again next year and to the finals. So for them, it made more strategic long-term sense for them to rest jaw, not bring him back to try to win the series, and to lose in the second round. So there was a goal to achieve. Zach Kleiman graduated with a degree in psychology, public relations intern. This would give the young Grizzlies core a goal to obtain for next year and light a fire for them this offseason to try to get past the second round and move on to the Western Conference Finals. So, I think, this wise conspiracy theory, obviously you can tell I'm kind of fumbling around because I was trying to frantically search for notes and get all these kind of thoughts and feelings together. Um, but I feel like they did not bring Jaw in Game 6. I think he could have played and maybe potentially pushed it to 7. But they did not want that. Their shot was in Game 4. And I also think that if they would have won Game 4 and been up 2-1, or 2-2, I'm sorry, heading back to uh, Memphis, I think we would have seen Jaw come back in Game 6 no matter if the Grizzlies would have still gone out and won Game 5 and been up 3-2. I think you might have seen Ja Game 6. Wow. Um, first thoughts. That's a, little, uh, that's a little aggressive, but um, <laughs> I like the thinking of it. Um, and I know you're getting your, your end of the... Uh, I guess maybe helping us go towards your thinking by giving us the uh, the background of Kleiman, Cho, and Wexler. The the <laughs> what, what did you say? Uh, who was Cho? Uh, the strategist, and then you have uh, what what Kleiman yes. do? What's he? Um, um, I don't know. What what, what did he study in school? He was psychology psychology so we have psychology and we have a strategy so we have a a strategist and somebody who's effing with your head over in the psychology part so we're at this point we're thinking we want to keep these guys from potentially going to the western conference finals because we have a long-term goal and we don't want to sacrifice that because if we go then we know we have to sign Tyus and we have to bring back kyle and then potentially, like, yes. we can't blow up this team at all. Like, we, we can't make any moves. Like, this team was good enough to go to the Western Conference Finals. We're able to bring them all back, and they're young. So, I get that part of it. But, and I, and I agree with probably one statement that you made, 100%. If the Grizzlies win and they go up, you know, 2-1, um, or, or say, let's go, they go 2-2, and they win game five, 
right? So that would mean that would mean they're up three two, going back to the Chase Center. Yes, I, I don't think Ja plays Game Six, but I do think that he comes back and plays Game Seven. I think that is practically impossible to keep a guy out that isn't on crutches, that isn't in a boot, that isn't in a body cast out for Game 7. So that part, I 100% agree with you because you're not keeping Jai out of a Game 7 for a chance to go to the Western Conference Finals. But you might be able to just keep him out because he would have to do and give you so much, potentially hurt himself for the future, if you put him in there for Game 5 and Game 6 because you're down, what, 3-1 at that point? Yeah, you're down 3-1. They go in and win Game 5 and then... Honestly, he has to give you so much for Game 6. So I agree with that part. Um, and so you got me there. I just don't know if if the psychology and the strategy part of it, I, I don't know if I'm bought in on that one. Yeah, so there's a fine line here because I thought maybe <laughs> that they had Ja involved in this, right? Is they talked to Ja like, hey, look, we're looking at this. We're going to do this. But I think that they didn't. Because that is such a hand grenade that if that goes wrong, especially Jaw, if he knew that you were intentionally holding him out, like if the medical staff, and we've seen this before with other NBA teams, right? Players do not trust the medical staff. They just don't. They report things wrong. They feel like they don't have the best interests of the player at heart. They feel like they're just reporting what the franchise needs. You've seen this multiple times from players, especially veteran players, they think they can play. The staff is saying no because that's what the front office wants for that player to not risk further injury. So I think that they didn't tell John right. Rant. And so the I think it was a very fine line. I think that their hopes was that the Grizzlies lost game four. They'd be down 3-1 so they can be like, okay, great. Release the MRI. He's got a bone bruise. He's doubtful, most likely out for the rest of the series. I think that's why it's such a curious timing on this release. They re- do not release the results of this MRI till two days after it's done. And the next day after pool, after the pool decision to not be suspended and they lose game four on May 9th, to then release the MRI results the next day at 4.55 is very curious timing to me. So I think the whole thing, everybody's like, oh, the GMs, blah, 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 are trying to get Poole suspended on purpose. And I think that's smoke and mirrors kind of game. I think they were showing to Jaw that they were on his side, even though they're kind of secretly gleeful that they could say that he was out and not win this series. Um, and so they just appealed to appeal. They knew they weren't going to get it. They knew that his injury, the bone bruise, happened in a collision before. It wasn't because of Poole grabbed his knee. So what's with all this theater? It's To me, it's psychology and a public relations, former Lakers public relations intern, working with a former boss for a Memphis Grizzlies strategist. Um, and I think if they would have won game four somehow and been up 3-2 in Game 5, I think the other side of the coin is they were not going to be able to keep Jaw out of Game 7, like you said. And I misspoke earlier. I think I said Game 6. Yeah. So I think that strategy, they were hoping for 
they look at the percentages, right? This is a forward-thinking group here, analytical. They thought without job, we have a eh, 30% chance maybe to win game four. Um, and certainly if they would have actually won game four and game five, which if they would have won game four, who knows if they would have actually won game five. But I think they looked at this from a probability standpoint, and they were down 3-1. Hardly anyone comes back from 3-1. So why risk further injury to our first-time All-Star in year three, who's on a crazy ascension of the NBA ladder? Um, why sacrifice that future gain or future timetable versus this short-term um, we made the Western Conference Finals? Because it sets expectations way too high for this young team and now it switches the gears for Kleiman and Wexler and Richard Cho to where all of a sudden they kind of have to sacrifice a little bit because they might lose their jobs and be like, what's Robert Parra going to say if all of a sudden they make the Western Conference Finals or the NBA Finals? And then they're like, you know what? We're going to sell this team off. We're going young again. And then they flop in the first round or they're back in the play-in. It doesn't look good for those guys. So I think it was they're very happy to sit jaw out for the remainder of the series and lost it on purpose so that there were not too high of expectations set for this team and that this young core with jaw would have a goal to obtain after losing a tough series with the Warriors, which I think if they're full strength and nothing ever happens and Dylan is not suspended for Game 3, I think the Grizzlies are playing the Mavs right now in the Western Conference Finals in this Game 3 that we're watching tonight. Yeah, so uh, a little bit on that. One, you could also put Steven Adams in that. You know, if he's not out for the first two games, uh, and then you have Ja in those two games, maybe, you know, maybe yes. they win that first game at home, um, and maybe that's not as close. And, you know, like you said, I, I do think that they would be playing if they were healthy the whole time and Dylan wouldn't suspend it. Um, but I, so thinking about, you know, the wording on this, the wording of saying that they were trying to, literally like make sure jaw didn't play uh because you know keeping their jobs and all that stuff like that i don't agree on that okay for the simple thing is okay i think the wording that you're bringing is is different and i'm not against it you know but i'm also not for it but that's the way you're wording it in my opinion the way i would say is if you want to spin it that way maybe in the back of their mind like yes this actually gives us an out a way to uh, maneuver and manipulate, but it also allows them to say we're being overly cautious, and I think that's the wording I would go with if I was, I don't know, conspiracy theory slash, if I was trying to pinpoint exactly what happened. I think they're just being overly cautious about this whole entire thing, and so, in the end of the day, I, yes, I, I agree with a lot that you said. But I just think that they have to make sure that they keep their superstar able to play for the future. And I think being over, overly cautious, like I just said, is probably what they were really thinking. But in the back of their mind, you know, they're probably being a little selfish thinking, okay, if we can just, <laughs> if they win this, then they win it. So, you know, so be it. Like we're playing with house money at this point, And then we'll be able to get Jaw back. Jaw was, and he quoted this, or he tweeted this. Uh, uh, he was responding back to somebody else. He said, if uh, if I would have been playing right now if we were still in the playoffs. 
And that's what he said back on the 20th, which is the Friday, this past Friday, on the 20th. He said that, uh, responding to somebody else uh, on Twitter. So with that being said, that's Friday, right? And so he would have easily been able to get back in game two uh, for sure. Uh, so, I, yes, I don't know. Like, there's a lot that you can that I can kind of come up with. But I do like the thinking of it because... The, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a mind, uh, a mind F, you know, uh, it's just, mm-hmm. it, I, don't, yep. I don't know. I have, I'm tongue twisted because I get what you're saying, but man, it's, it's tough. Yeah. I, I th- this is why like, this is the first time I've kind of spoke it out loud. So I'm trying to put all the thoughts together and I'm probably messing him up, but the, I think overly cautious is probably the more correct term to use, but my rebuttal to that line of thinking is NBA championship runs like are not a given, right? Even for a young core that um, is on an upward trajectory. I can say this firsthand from being a previous Kevin Durant fan. They made the finals as a very young team and lost to the Heatles with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and never made it back. Kevin Durant never made it back until he joined the super team in the Warriors. So to me, if this is their strategy, we want the long-term flexibility, it's our long-term goal, we don't want to risk our superstar, I totally get it. Is it smart? Yes. But... Look at this window that we're looking at into the playoffs right now. Like, if the if you would have told Kleiman and them that it would be the Mavs in the Western Conference Finals, and on the other side it's the Heat-Celtics, which is basically a war of attrition, you have a real shot to steal an NBA championship this year, and which the Warriors are probably going to actually do. They're going to steal the championship this year, basically, because... East side is beat up and they're playing an inferior, you know, uh, foe in the Mavericks in the Western conference finals. So the being abundantly cautious is totally fair. I would typically side on that, but as someone who has watched a former star that was very young, make the finals, never make it back there. Even though you're young and your roster construction looks great. It's the NBA playoffs. You never know who you're going to get matched up against next year. You never know what's going to happen in the regular season. You being abundantly cautious does not guarantee future playoff success. So to me, if you are going to do that strategy, that is quite a risk and quite a gamble, which is why I think there was kind of like a two-fold plan for them, which is why I said if they were up 3-2, we would have saw we would have seen Jaw in Game Seven. They would have just been like, okay, well, we've got the advantage. We can't exactly, you know, throw it in, and Jaw's going to want to play anyways. You're not going to be able to keep that man out of a Game Seven in FedEx Forum. So I think there's two paths. If they were down three one, all right, Jaw's doubtful. He's not going to play again in the series. If it was three two, um, I think you see Jaw in Game Seven, one hundred percent. And I just, I, I really think we should have this Grizzlies team in the Western Conference Finals right now. But I understand the game plan and the strategy. This is why it's a conspiracy theory. It's pure conjecture. 
don't, you know, anybody who listens to this, don't write an email to the front office or Adam Silver or anything to investigate. Um, but the curious timing of releasing of MRIs, it's just too odd for me to ignore. So uh, that's kind of where I am. Um, I think they were more than happy with it being 3-1 so they didn't have to rush Jaw because Jaw would have definitely played in a Game 7 at home. Well, if you don't want to write the front office, if you don't want to write Jason Wexler, Rich Cho, <laughs> uh, Zach Kleiman, uh, Robert Pear, if you don't want to do any of that, and I agree, I, I wouldn't do that. I think his DMs are open at rdmeadows11. If you want to share your insight... <laughs> Uh, on what you think, feel free. Uh, I'll be over at Grizzlead, at Grizz underscore lead. Feel free. If you don't know Ryan and you don't remember his his email, or sorry, his Twitter handle, send him to Grizzlead. I'll make sure he sees your, your DM so we can let him know about his conspiracy theory. Uh, but no, I, I love it, man. I love, uh, I love the wormhole that you can kind of fall into. And then once you get your mind going, dude, that's no stopping it. And, uh, but I, I do yes. like that. And I like the thinking of it. I just, I don't know if you can do that. I think you have to have some big huevos to be able to treat something like that. I also think it you have to have those as well. If you're going to be the executive of a team, especially the executive of the year, let's, let's give a shout out to Zach Kleiman for, for being executive of the year, uh, the youngest to ever do it, I believe. Uh, maybe his uh, psychology and his uh, mentorship <laughs> that uh, Rich Cho has given him, maybe, maybe it's paying off. I don't know. Uh, but Ryan, <laughs> let's go ahead and get out of here after that. Uh, anything else on the entire conspiracy theory? Uh, do you have anything left on that? No, I just had a ton of fun coming up with it. And I just like talking about it. I'm not saying it's fact. It's just an observation. Uh, but I enjoyed thinking about it because I like that kind of stuff. I like the and if, the 50-50, well, what if this, the causation of stuff. So I, I thought it was interesting to bring up at least. So hopefully uh, the listeners feel the same because I think you're kind of interested in it as well. Unfortunately, you know me. Like it doesn't take much to get me excited about any kind of conspiracy theories or uh, something uh, crazy going on. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to give me two answers and two answers only. This isn't long form. This is short form. There should be two words to each answer. It's not very hard. Two words to each answer. I'm going to give you one question. Ryan, the Grizzlies pick at 22 and 29 right now. Feet to the fire. Who do you think the Grizzlies take right now, way ahead of schedule? Give us what you got. Roughly, what would what it be, a month ahead of the, uh, of the draft? Two names. Yep. Two names at 22 and 29. Oh, good grief. Now I got to pull something off the top of my brain. I'll give you Pat Baldwin Jr., and Leonard Miller. I love it. I love it. Um, so we're going to have a lot coming at you. Uh, we're going to break down uh, what is of the, the draft. The first group that we will be bringing to you, it will be a week from now. So the 30th, you'll be getting a full draft breakdown from us. 
We're going to give them to you probably every, I'd say, Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, depending on how we want to uh, put these out. Uh, but they will be coming out. We're trying to put, put them in groups. As of right now, the 30th, a week from now, next Monday, you'll be having a Memphis slash Tennessee, a lot of local hometown flavor. We're going to give you all those guys who we think that the Grizzlies honestly could draft in this league. And who knows where they would draft them at. The Grizzlies can move around. They can move up, down, back, whatever. But these will be names that are realistically the Grizzlies could draft in this draft coming up because they do have the 47th pick in the second round as well. So there's a lot of hometown kids. There's a lot of ties to it uh, within the state, the city, uh, within you know the, the University of Memphis. So we're going to go ahead and start you off there with some, uh, some local flavor. And then from there, we'll kind of venture out. We might see some shooters, some big men, some overseas guys. Who knows? But we're going to move all around, and we're going to break down a lot of guys before we give you our full expectations on what the Grizzlies could do uh, the Monday before the draft on the 23rd. So that's all I have. He is RD Meadows 11. He's Ryan. I am Daniel at Daniel Greer. We are Grizz Lead at Grizz underscore Lead. Make sure you go follow us and make sure you share some love to us. We're going to keep on coming out with these episodes, uh, but make sure you stay tuned. Coming out on the 30th, we're, we're starting off our draft specials. Be nice and tell your friends.